welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. continuing our series on hashtag original slang and I hope you've been putting out tweets on Twitter and doing that we're looking at slang and idioms that come from the Bible and this is one that I believe is really popular and that many of us have used it is the one called a drop in the bucket how many people at this campus at all of our campuses I want you to do this raise your hands if you've ever used that it's just a drop in the bucket go ahead raise your hand all right yeah I can tell from this campus it's very popular a lot of us have used it and uh, what it really means is this it means whatever you're giving is inconsequential to the need that is here we have a giant need and what you're giving is just a drop in the bucket it's really not going to make that big of a difference. Like, with, it's so big that we're kind of defeated even with this. It's just such a small little amount. I mean, if I was to say, I am going to donate a penny to end world hunger. How many of you say, that is a drop in the bucket? Like, come on, Pastor Rob, let's open up the credit card. Let's go. Give something bigger. It's just a drop in the bucket. Or you say, uh, our leaders in Washington, they're there and they're like, we are going to reduce the federal deficit, we are going to pay for our own lunch. How about that? All right, you know. And you're thinking, are you serious? That is a drop in the bucket. I have been to New York City. Just recently I was there, and I saw the debt clock that's going, and our debt is just growing like crazy. It's growing like crazy, and yet our leaders say, well, we're going to do this little tiny change here, little thing. It's really just a drop in the bucket. And many times we use that phrase, it's just such discouragement because it's kind of defeated like, well, it's a drop in the bucket. It just won't make any difference. That actually comes from our Bible. And if you have your Bibles, turn me today to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15. And I'm going to show you where that saying comes from and let you see what God wants to speak to us as we look at this saying, a drop in the bucket. Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 15, it says, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. It's just a drop in the bucket. Now let me give you the context of, of where this was written and how this was written. It was written in the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet. And God spoke to his people through Isaiah. Now you got to understand they were in Babylon, they were captives, and while they're captives, God is speaking through Isaiah to the people. Now, an interesting thing about the book of Isaiah, you may not know this, but the book of Isaiah in your Bible is almost like a mini Bible within a Bible. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. There are 66 chapters in our Bible. 
The first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with God's judgment of sin. The first 39 chapters of our Bible are known as the Old Testament, the way that God is dealing with the judgment of our sin. Then in chapter 40 in Isaiah, going to the back, 27 books, same as our New Testament, there are 27 books in Isaiah that start to deal and emphasize the grace of God, which the New Testament emphasizes the grace of God. Now, I know that Isaiah just wrote this as one big book, and somebody later in life went and put chapters and verses in there so that we could find it, but I find it interesting. I find it interesting that there's 39 books that are on the old and the judgment and then 27 books with the grace and it just so happens that they just did it. It's kind of cool that that's the way it's at. All right. Now in chapter 40, this is that transition chapter and in that time, Isaiah prophesies to them and he says, God is going to deliver you from Babylon. You are going to get out of Babylon. You have been slaves in Babylon, and you're getting out. It's great news. You are getting out. It's great news. And instead of the people saying, yes, God's going to get us out of Babylon. It's going to be amazing. The people said, I don't know if God can do it. Does he know how strong Babylon is? Does he realize we are in Babylon? We have been here a long time. I I don't know if he... Does he realize the king of Babylon is holding us down? I mean, I, I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if he can do it. I, I question if God can come through on his promise. And so Isaiah chapter 40 is a moment that God has one of these moments, if you will. He's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Do you know? I mean, he's saying, I'm God Almighty. And he said, the nation's they are like a drop in the bucket to me. They are nothing. And so you can fully capture what God's saying in this passage. I'm going to read a really lengthy chunk of Isaiah 40. I don't usually do this, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me uh, to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to start in verse 12. But I want you to catch the intensity of what God's going through here because he's telling them good news. I'm powerful. I'm going to get you out of Babylon. They question him, and then he goes and just really tells them really how it is. So verse 12, he says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Can I just say this? God never needs to hire a consultant. Never, ever. He says, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Let me stop there for a minute again. Lebanon was known as having an amazing forest, an amazing forest. And he basically said, if you chopped it all down and burnt all of it to me as an offering, it wouldn't even be close to being acceptable to how great I am. Your amazing forest is nothing. You can catch the intensity here. And he said, verse 17, before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? 
As for an idol, a craftsman crafts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught, and he reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, O complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power to the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I can just close it right there and walk out right there. I mean, that. That's just good stuff. That is really good stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing what he's saying here. And you can see how offended he is. You can see how offended he is. Like, it's a little problem. It's a little tiny problem. He said, the nations, they are like nothing to me. Nothing to me. They are just like a, a drop in the bucket. I'm going to ask my wife to come join me on the platform. I want her to help me out with this for just a second to help illustrate this here. I've got my little red bucket here. I had a different bucket the other service. She said this one was cuter. All right, so you okay holding that bucket? You got it. All right, now just be very careful. I'm going to weigh this down for a minute. I'm going to just weigh this down. I've got a drop here. Hang on. How many think this is absolutely ridiculous, right? Okay, guys, I don't want to put a lot of drops. I just want a drop. All right, ready? Right there. You okay? Can you handle that? Have you been working out? <laughs> it's not too much for you. It's, I put a drop in there. That's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? You think, like, did you even know? She didn't go, like, oh, drop, oh. You know, it was like, oh, hold on. Here comes a drop. God says, as easy as it is for her to hold this buck, that drop was inconsequential. The whole world is like that drop in the bucket. The great nations of this world are like a drop in the bucket compared to me, says the Lord. They're nothing. I don't even feel them. You can take your seat. Think about that. He's saying, I don't even feel them. They're nothing. And yet you sit around all the time. You're like, oh, Lord, you know, it's Babylon. Oh, Lord, it's, how in the world, Lord, are we ever going to get a missionary into China? Lord, did you know that Christians can't go to Mecca? How are we ever going to reach those people? Lord, do you know my problems, Lord? And he says, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. 
You travel the world and you see Rome that it wasn't all the glory and all the splendor, but it's not anymore. You go to Greece and you see it's nothing. The great countries of the world, they keep coming and going and coming and going. And God says the nations of the world, they are like nothing. They are like a drop in the bucket. Every time I use that phrase from now on, I'm going to think, wow, you are everything, Lord. You are amazing. Because the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Then he goes and gives another one. He said, it's, it's like dust on the scale. Dust on the scale. Can you imagine that? I mean, have you ever gone to buy anything and like it needs a scale and they go, hang on. And they blow it. We don't want you paying for dust. No dust purchases. You know, we're not going to charge you for dust. That's what they do in the, in the Bible times. They say, hang on, this is not a scale. And they just blow the dust up. Make sure you weren't paying for dust. I don't think we're really worried about paying for dust, are we? And I don't think any of us goes to the bathroom to get on our bathroom scale and we go, hang on, I, I'm going I'm to wipe off the dust here. I don't want to weigh any extra. going to wipe off. If you do, you got an illness, all right? I mean, I remember once I went to the doctor and, uh, you know, they said, we need you to step up on the scale. We're going to weigh you. And I realized, like, hang on, hang on. I pulled out a cell phone, a camera, three pens, three sets of keys, and my wallet. I was like, come on, that's like two extra pounds. I, got, I need some help. I need some help, all right? Okay, you can do that, but nobody says, dust off it's that inconsequential he says the nations are like dust on the scale he says to them babylon is nothing it is nothing absolutely nothing compared to me now with that in mind let me just stop for a moment if god's saying the nations are like nothing can we as Democrats, Republicans, and Independents get along? Can we stop hating people because they're in a different political party? And can we stop getting so riled up about politics? Because when it comes down to it, God says they're like nothing. Okay? And some of us are like, oh, you're this? Oh, oh, I didn't know they came here. Oh, you know, let's stop that. Let's stop that. Now, still vote. Still be involved in politics. But seriously, let's not get so riled up like, oh, Twitter hating this and Twitter and Facebook hating that. Seriously. It's a drop in the bucket. God is not even worried. When I was in China, they never asked us once, would you just pray for this communist leadership to stop oppressing us? They're like, we don't even care what they do. We're advancing the cause of Christ. So let's be involved in our society. Let's not stop, but let's stop being so mean when it comes to the area of politics. We've got better things to do as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? They're, they're like nothing. They're like nothing. And, and he goes on, he says, my power is limitless. I don't need a consultant. Uh, interesting thing from uh, verse 15 when he says that he weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. He basically is like, the islands are nothing. The islands are nothing, like these great islands, you know, like, oh, I want to dream to go to Hawaii. I want to go to this country or this uh, island. I want to go to the island. He says the islands are like nothing, and the implication is here they're like dental floss, like they're unimportant to God. Like we think, oh, if I could only get that. He's like, it's nothing. Anybody collect dental floss? That's another illness, all right? If you do that, that's another, you know. But he's like, I, I, I disregard them. Like the continents, they're nothing. They're nothing to me. And the whole time he's trying to really get them to understand this. I am in charge. 
I'm amazing. I'm awesome. And all your troubles are nothing. When we see in this passage that he's basically saying, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Let's stop for a minute here. Have you ever questioned God? God, do you know what you're doing? I mean, I'm suffering right here. Lord, do you know what you're doing? Maybe we say something really, really dumb. If I were God, how dumb is that? If I were God, then I, I, you know, oh, I know this. If I were God, I wouldn't let that happen. Really, seriously, okay? You, a created being with limited knowledge, selfish, self-centered person, you are better than God, really. That is so arrogant. How are we to sit there and question what God's doing? Uh, Greg Surratt, a friend of mine, he wrote a book. It just came out recently, Irreverent. And he said, when you're doubting God, refocus your doubts on yourself. You are a fallen, inherently selfish, created person assuming the moral high ground on God. When doubting God, try this. Ask yourself, what am I missing here? Why am I so arrogant as to believe that I am right and God is wrong? Great advice. Great advice. Now in this, we see in this passage that I read in 18 to 24, he's saying, nothing compares to me. Nothing compares to me. You guys go and burn uh, wood and you save a little piece and you make an idol. And he said, it's crazy. You take a piece of wood out of the wood pile, you bring it to somebody, like, could you get me a God I can worship that doesn't fall over? Okay, could you do that? And, and save the scraps because I'll burn them as kindling. And he's like, seriously? You people are chasing after idols that are worthless, that you have to tell the guy to keep it from tipping over. You burn the shavings and the rest of it you worship. That's ridiculous. And we don't worship idols, but how many of us trust in our own strength and we trust in the government to get us through and we trust in all these other things and, and it was like, oh no, Lord, oh no, I can't make it. And he's like, you got me, you can make it. You've got me, you can make it. And interesting, in verses 23 and 24, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither. Now, interesting, in the original language, in the Hebrew language that this was written, he was saying, like, it's so immediate that they just start to come up and he's like, and they're done. And a leader, and he says, nope. And he says, before they even really get going, I've already blown them out. They're nothing. He says, you know, like, Napoleon, done. That's nothing. You know, this guy, nothing. Putin, nothing. Obama, nothing. He said, before they even blossom, I've already blown them out. They are like nothing. All the people that are celebrities in the world, he says, they're nothing. Now, a lot of us don't rule it, worship like political leaders, but how many of us are like, oh, I wonder what so-and-so's doing. I got to catch my celebrity gossip. Oh, I got to know what they're doing. Oh, I got to see. And he's like, that is nothing. I've already blown them out before they've even shown. I mean, they're done. And, and we go into the presence of people, like, you know, you go into the presence of a, a political figure, you're like, oh, it is my pleasure to meet you. And we're hyperventilating. Yeah, you meet a professional athlete, and you're like, you're my greatest fan. I mean, I'm your greatest fan. And you're like, you know, you're just, spell, you know. And yet you come to worship, like, oh, when is this thing going to be over? If there's anything, we ought to come to worship in the church and be like, are you okay? Yes, we're getting ready to go in the presence of God and worship him. <gasps> Holy Spirit's going to move. <gasps> I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> I mean, you know, now give me some help. <laughs> and he said, they are nothing 
before they even start, I blow them out. I blow them out, and yet we sit there and we walk around the world and we're sitting there like, we're number one, we're number, I feel like Gallagher, I got props today. All right, you know, we're number one. And he said, you're nothing. You are nothing. Can I just give a little teachable moment here? If you're in church sports, be godly because church sports is nothing, all right? It's nothing. On the scale of things, it's nothing. Be godly when you're out there. It's nothing. That's what he's saying. We're so nothing that that little inflatable number one finger says, this is not a flotation device. We are nothing. I mean, we're just, we're not bright, all right? (laughs) Grasp the greatness of God. In verse 26, he says, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Look to them. Look to the stars. I've created them. They're amazing. And he said, I know each of them by name. Every one of them. I know each of them by name. Check this out. More props. If you have a golf ball, if you have a golf ball, and you were to say this is the size of the earth, and you were trying to do the scale of the universe according to this, you couldn't do it in the space afforded you. Think about this. Have you ever done that with like a kid's project where they're supposed to do the solar system? And how many know the parents are the ones that do it, right? You get the shoebox out. You're like, why didn't you tell me about this a week ago, you know? Come on, we're doing this. Get the sun in there, you know. And get a bad ball's too big. And you're yelling at them, you know. I got it. If you ever get put in that spot, here's your answer. Just put a ball in the box and say, that's Earth. And according to scale, the next nearest star would have to be 51,000 miles away. My kid's project is over. There it is. It's the Earth. That's it. Okay, that's not good advice, but that's how true it is. 51,000 miles away would be the first star if that was the size of earth. And yet you think about it. God says, I know every star by name. This whole world, I've got it figured out. I've got it fi- I'm big. I'm powerful. And you worry about your problems. Do you realize that our sun is so large? I don't know how scientists have figured this out. But they could put one million planet earth right inside of the sun. I mean, I'm sorry, a hundred million. One million. One, get it right. One million. And the, the sun is so small compared to some of the stars in the world. Okay? Get this. So we can put one million planet Earths right inside the sun. We could take 500 million suns and place them inside of a star. That's pretty big. And God says, I, I hold them in my hand. I know every one of them by name. I'm so big, you cannot figure me out. Think about this. The longer we've been walking with God, the smarter we're getting, the more our, our technology is getting better and better and better, we ought to be more amazed at how amazing God is. When they have these telescopes and they tell us there's all these galaxies, there's, you know, 100 million galaxies with 100 billion stars each, and, and the telescope is figuring it out and they're sending uh, unmanned rockets to Pluto and they're doing all this stuff and we realize he's so big, he's so amazing. Our faith ought to rise up. Our faith ought to rise up. Our faith ought to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. For those of you that are C.S. Lewis fans, in the Chronicles of Narnia series, in uh, the book Prince Caspian, There's a scene in there in which Lucy says to Aslan, and Aslan is symbolic of Jesus. 
He's the lion, in case you're wondering. So she says to him, you're just, you're bigger. You're bigger. Like she, she sees him again and she goes, you're bigger. Like, you're bigger to me. And in the book, he says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. The more we walk with God, the bigger he should get. The more we grow, the bigger our God should get. You step out in faith and you are trembling the first time you step out in faith. And then he shows himself strong and you go, oh God, you're bigger than that. You pray for a prayer request and God does the miracle. You're bigger than that. You step out in faith and you open up your mouth and you share with somebody and they give their life to Jesus. You're bigger. You're bigger. And the longer you work with God, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And here's the thing, if God's not getting bigger in your world, if you're coming to church and you're like, oh no, Lord, this problem, this thing, oh, then I wonder if you're really growing in your walk with God. Because God should be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Man, when our vision of God diminishes and starts getting smaller and smaller, you know what happens? Our walk with him gets dull and mundane and boring and lukewarm and lifeless. Man, let's believe how big God is. Let's step out in faith. Let's see this and realize that God is offended when we think that he's small. Let me just stop again for a moment. With all of this in mind, how big is your problem now? How big is your problem now? God is so big, he can handle your problem. Okay, so how do we get a bigger God? Because I want to help us as a church to get a bigger God with the minutes I have left. A couple of things. First of all, if you are around spiritual conversion, God gets bigger. Here's what I mean. You find somebody that was addicted to drugs. They give their life to Jesus Christ. They get set free. God gets bigger. You are dealing with the neighbor that's screaming and yelling and abusive, and you've called the police on them, but this time they came with you to church. They give their life to Jesus and instead of dishes flying in the home, praises are flying and their whole life is changed around. God gets bigger. Anytime you're around the miracle of, of new conversion, God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you realize God is still changing lives. He has the power over sin and he's big. That's a great thing for us to do. And some of you need to be part of Alpha. You need to be part of the Now What Life group. You need to be around people that are becoming new followers of Jesus Christ so God gets bigger in your world. Okay, here's a real simple thing. The miracle of birth will make God bigger. I, I, I mean, go to a vet clinic, help deliver puppies. I mean, the miracle of birth, will you'll just be amazed. You'll just be like, that's incredible. I remember when Connor and Logan were born, I was like, this is just incredible. God, you are amazing. This is, how could people think that we evolved? I mean, seriously, Lord, this is amazing. This is incredible. So get around natural birth. That will just help open your world to see how big God is. Get out in nature. Get out in nature and God will get bigger. I love what John Piper says. He's a pastor in town here. He says, no one goes to the Grand Canyon or the Alps to increase their self-esteem. I mean, could you imagine standing at the Grand Canyon and going, I am so good. <laughs> you go there and you go, you are amazing. You are so good. You are so big. You are incredible. 
And he's saying, go there. And when you behold great splendor, God gets bigger. Do you know what? When I travel, when I travel and I go around the world, I just got back from New Zealand not long ago. When I travel, God gets bigger to me. God gets bigger. I see things like, that's incredible. That's amazing. When I stand next to the ocean, I'm like, that's incredible. God, you are amazing. When I feel the wave just come in, I'm like, you are incredible. Man, some of you need to travel more. You need to travel more, and you need to see how incredible God is. He'll get bigger. Go on a global team. Go on a global team. God will get bigger. You will see things that you've never seen in your life that you're living. Break out of your routine. Some of you are so into routine. This, this, this. Tuesday's meatloaf night. Wednesday is omelets. You know, Thursday, I do my laundry. I mean, it's never changing. Break out a routine and let God get bigger. Another thing is, rearrange your life around God. How many times are like, well, Lord, I'm sorry, I can't, can't go to that, Lord, sorry, you know. It's bowling night, can't do it, Lord, sorry, you know. Lord, can't do it, we got tickets to the game, sorry, can't do it. Lord, I was going to go on that global team, but, you know, that's uh, the neighborhood picnic, sorry, can't do it, Lord, you know. Rearrange your life around God. And stop thinking like, God, if you could just work with me on this and just kind of between 9.30 and 9.35, if we could have a moment, Lord. Rearrange your life around God and not yourself. And the last thing I would say is enter into worship. Enter into worship. If you are in worship, and by that I mean praise and worship at church, and you're like this. Everybody else is worshiping. You're just kind of standing there, kind of critiquing. Oh, new, new drummer today. Huh. Well, they're looking excited. They're raising their hands. And then we get done with it. Remember, worse yet, you come late. You come late. You don't even care. You're like, yeah, it's just the singing. Yeah. Oh, really? We're singing to God. We're singing to Almighty God. Right now, your mind is activated. Right now, in the teaching of the Word, uh, I'm feeding you something, and you're learning something, and there's moments that the Holy Spirit's speaking. But what about the moment where you're in worship, and you're just like, you're everything, and I'm nothing. You're everything. You're getting bigger right now, because I'm not thinking about myself. Some of you have never raised your hands before, and God's saying, raise your hands. Raise your hands. Get me bigger. You're like, well, what will people, you know, think I'm... If I raise my hand, what if they look at me? He's like, they're not looking at you. They're looking at me. Why don't you look at me too and get your eyes off yourself? Man, it's amazing. This scripture, a drop in the bucket, shows us how great God is, how small we are, and yet this is the amazing thing. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Man, if the nations are like a drop in the bucket, what are we? And yet he sent his son to die for us. That's amazing. We serve a big God. Let's be sure that in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, we make him as big as we can. Because no matter how big we make him, we can't make him big enough. 